Thank you, Eric, and hello to all of you again. It's good to be with you this morning. It's nice to have the joy of my life with me this morning as well on this Mother's Day. And her name happens to be Joy, by the way, so uh, there's a double, double meaning there. Uh, Warren Wiersbe, who passed away uh, just this past May 2nd, actually his funeral is going to uh, be on Tuesday, uh, he famously said that it isn't enough for preachers to keep their eyes on the clock as they preach. Uh, they must also keep their eyes on the calendar as they plan and prepare to preach. So the, the clock this morning says that I have a little over 30 minutes to preach. Um, and the calendar says it's Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day, first of all, to you moms here in the, in the uh, sanctuary this morning. So I'm going to keep my eyes, my eyes on the clock, knowing that it's Mother's Day, and I certainly don't want to be the one to delay any Mother's Day meals. So I'll try to keep that promise. Uh, it's true, as our link letter said, kids say that, can I say that word in here? The darndest thing, okay, <laughs> you said it for me. <clears throat> so i just like to mention a few things as some uh, Teachers have heard some kids say about mothers. Now, I, I can't verify the authenticity of these stories, but um, I think they, you'll, you'll enjoy them. Uh, one teacher asked her class, why did God make mothers? And one little guy answered, she's the only one in the house who knows where the scotch tape is. Um, another teacher asked her class, if you could change one thing about your mother, what would it be? Uh, one little guy says, she has this weird thing about me keeping my room clean. I'd get rid of that rule. Um, if you could change one thing about your mother. Uh, another youngster said, I'd make her smarter. Then she would know that my sister does the things that I get in trouble for. Um, a school teacher was uh, giving her uh, lesson, her science lesson to her elementary class about magnets and all that magnets did and what they're used for. So uh, she had a quiz after uh, that uh, lesson, and then one question on the quiz read, my name starts with M, it has six letters, and I pick up things. Half the kids wrote mother instead of magnets. And finally, one more, every now and then, even the children will come up with some kid wisdom from their own short experiences and said one little girl, when your mom is mad at your dad, don't let her brush your hair. <laughs> That's uh, spoken like somebody who, who experienced that. Well, speaking of Mother's Day, uh, getting into a little more serious uh, light here, uh, we won't know till we get to heaven uh, some of the effects, uh, some of the results that mothers have had on their children or grandmas have had on their grandchildren. Um, how many people have been influenced for Christ by the prayers of a, of a godly mother or grandmother? The walls of church history are lined uh, with portraits of people who are led to Christ by their mothers. Timothy, the biblical character Timothy, is, is one of those examples. Paul said that Timothy shared the faith that he first uh, heard from his grandmother Lois and from his mother Eunice. And that same faith remains strong in him to that day. Others were brought back to Christ after straying or were called into his service in answer to a mother's prayers or a grandmother's prayers, perhaps in the case 
of Timothy. So this morning, uh, if you have your Bibles or your devices, wherever you access the Scriptures, uh, I'd invite you, if you would please, to turn to Proverbs 31. And now that I've said that and ask you to do that, you may be thinking, I've heard just about enough Mother's Day sermons from Proverbs 31 about the ideal wife. Well, you're not going to hear that sermon this morning because I'm not going to preach from verses 10 to 31. We're going to look at the first nine verses, the verses that we vault over usually when we go to Proverbs 31 and just go right to the ideal wife or the ideal mother, if you would like to put it in those terms. Uh, I'm sure that of all the Mother's Day sermons you've heard from Proverbs 31, verses 10 to 31, you've never heard a Mother's Day sermon from Proverbs 31, 1 through 9. So you're going to hear one this morning, whether you like it or not. And whether you listen or not is up to you. Uh, but at least you're going to hear me uh, speak from, from uh, Proverbs 31, verses 1 through 9. So let me read those verses. And uh, even as I do, you may say, this is really a strange text for a Mother's Day sermon. Uh, I think all sermons ought to be applicable to all of us in different ways, obviously. There's not just one application for every person, but there are applications. It says all scripture is God-breathed and it's useful. And even if uh, you're a kid here this morning or you're a, a man here this morning, you're not a mother here this morning, uh, Lord willing, by the end of uh, this sermon uh, in, in less than 30 minutes now, um, all of you will see how this passage uh, there's some take-homes for, for all of us, uh, but this is specifically uh, a sermon that I think is appropriate for Mother's Day. Proverbs 31, the first nine verses, the sayings of King Lemuel, an oracle his mother taught him, or a message that his mother taught him. And this is what it says, O my son, O my son of my womb, O son of my vows, do not spend your strength on women, your vigor on those who ruin kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, not for kings to drink wine, nor rulers are not for rulers to crave beer, lest they drink and forget what the law decrees and deprive all the oppressed of their rights. Give beer to those who are perishing, wine to those who are in anguish. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. And you're saying, how in the world is he going to get a Mother's Day sermon out of that? Well, remember, first of all, these are the words of a wise mother. These are a wise mother's wise advice to her son. So right there we have it. We can say, that's some really strange advice here. Uh, we're going to boil it down so you can have some take-homes that I think you'll see um, are really biblical and from this passage. But first, we maybe ought to pray about this uh, before we head into it. Our Father, um, we come and uh, we maybe reiterate the, the words of the, the hymn that we, that we sang here a few moments ago, Open Our Eyes to See, uh, Wonderful Things from Your Word, Hope, Open Our Ears to Hear Them, and open our hearts to receive them and uh, our wills to do them. Um, in your name we pray, amen. Well, here we have an example of an Old Testament mother who is one of those nameless women of the Bible. There are a lot of nameless people in the Bible. 
uh, nameless people with very, some very significant things about them or things that they did or things that they said, sometimes for good and sometimes for bad. But here we have a, a nameless woman of the Bible who gave some really good advice to her son. Uh, his name was Lemuel, and he happened to be a king. And other than that, we don't know anything else about him. Other than he had a mother who, who cared for him deeply. The, verse 2, she says, Oh, my son, oh, son of my womb, oh, son of my vows. Um, she cared deeply for him. By the way, Lemuel's name means devoted to God. So when she says, oh, son of my vows, it may be that uh, she um, presented him before the Lord as Hannah did to Samuel and said, whatever uh, your plans are for him, Lord, do it uh, unto according to your word. Um, but she cared deeply for him. Uh, she had some wisdom to share with him that uh, would make him a better king. And it was good advice back then, and uh, it's good advice for today as well. And the, the, I'm just going to uh, give you these three <clears throat> pieces of wise advice that uh, she gave to her son. And I'm going to give them to you now so uh, you'll know when I start and when I'm done. Um, the three are very simple. Uh, as we take a look at what she's saying here, we can maybe boil it down to say she was giving these three pieces of advice. The first one was be pure-minded. And the second one was be sober-minded. And the third one was be fair-minded. Those are pretty good pieces of advice, and we're going to now look at them in, in a little more detail, but um, three pieces of advice that she gave for her son, who was a king, who would be good advice for a king, but they're good advice for a son, and they're good advice for all of us. Be pure-minded, be sober-minded, be fair-minded. So first of all, let's just uh, consider uh, uh, what uh, uh, she uh, was referring to when she said, stay away from women. <laughs> and uh, I'll, that, you know, you could go and say, well, the Bible says that I should stay away from women. Well, then we would have a problem on Mother's Day, wouldn't we? We wouldn't have any of them. Uh, but she says, don't give your strength to women. And I believe here she's referring to women, too many women, women of bad character. Remember the book of Proverbs begins with, with a, a wise father warning his son about women of bad character. And here in the last chapter of Proverbs, we have a wise mother warning her son about women of bad character. Uh, she's saying it will ruin him and it will ruin his rule. So she's not saying in general, don't go out and try to find a wife. She's saying, stay away from women who will ruin your life, will ruin your kingship. All you have to do is go to the book of Judges and, and read about Samson. Ask Samson uh, how things went when he didn't take this advice. And uh, just, uh, he was, a, as someone has said, a, a, he was a he-man with a she-weakness. And it, it, it ruined his, his life as we would look at it, though God turned uh, his life uh, for his glory at the, at the end of, of his life. Um, so Proverbs ends with a description of a, of a mother who's giving her son some wise advice. Be pure-minded in your relationships with women. Um, 
And it, it ends because uh, with, with the ideal wife. She goes on to tell him, and we're not going to cover that passage this morning, but in the rest of the chapter then she says, here's the kind of woman you should seek after. Um, uh, verse 10 says, a wife of noble character who can find. Um, she tells him that, that he should avoid women of bad character and, and seek a woman of noble character for his wife. And then she goes into detail about what a woman of noble character uh, will look like. So after a careful reading of verses 10 through 31, uh, it shows that the value of a woman of valor is derived from godly character. So, but here she's warning him to stay away from women who don't have godly character. Be pure-minded. Second piece of advice she gives to him is be sober-minded. And that's where we get into this whole, whole thing in verses 4 through 7 about uh, uh, don't drink wine, don't crave beer, um, but uh, give beer to uh, those who are, are in poverty and those who are in misery. Um, and you're thinking, that, what in the world is that all about? Well, this morning we're not going to get into a discussion about um, alcohol and the appropriateness of alcohol um, in, in uh, our lives and uh, is it allowed and is it not allowed. Um, we know that excess is not allowed. That we do know, okay? Uh, the, the scripture is very clear and she's very clear here. Um, she, she's saying uh, on, in, verse, in verse four, um, it is not for kings to drink wine. The New Living Translation says it's not for kings to guzzle alcohol um, nor for rulers to crave beer lest they drink and forget what the law decrees. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 1 says, it's one of the several Proverbs that warns us of the abuse of alcohol. It says, wine is a mocker and beer is a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. And that's what the wise mother was telling her son. Do not get led astray by alcohol. It isn't wise to do that. It isn't wise for leaders. It isn't wise for kings to do that. Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 1 that I just read says that alcohol mocks us by creating in us a thirst for more uh, while never satisfying that thirst. And uh, there's a Japanese proverb that says, first the man takes a drink, and then the drink takes the man. And so when she was uh, advising him to be sober-minded, I don't believe she was saying never take a drink, but she was saying never get overtaken by drink. You need to be sober-minded. Um, she's warning him that alcohol and civic duties do not mix. Uh, remember King Xerxes in the book of Esther? One of my two favorite books of the Bible, the, the, my two favorite books happen to be Ruth and Esther, the only two books in the Bible that were named after women. Um, but if you remember King Xerxes and his week-long bash where he uh, commanded his wine stewards to serve the guests as much wine as they wanted to drink, and, and he was uh, taking part right along with them. And on the seventh day when he was strung out with drink, he made a really unwise command of Queen Vashti, his, his wife, uh, which began a chain of events that make up the entire story of, of Esther that was going to um, e eventually uh, lead to, to an almost disastrous end for the nation of Israel. 
verse 7, or I'm sorry, verse 5 says that uh, he shouldn't drink lest he forget the law. Lest he forget the law and deprive all the oppressed of their rights. Lest the king forget the law and deprive um, people of their rights. And then verse Verse 7 says uh, about uh, those who are perishing, those who are in anguish, let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Uh, alcohol leads people to forget. That's one of the tragedies of alcohol when there is an excess and an abuse. People don't remember what they did the night before. It makes people forget. And so she warns him to be sober-minded lest he forget and abuse his people and not treat them justly. And of course, in the case of the dying and the distressed in verses six through seven, alcohol could act uh, to anesthetize their pain or, or their distress. Uh, remember the soldiers uh, at the cross when they offered Jesus sour wine to relieve his pain? That kind of is an antiseptic um, anesthesia to relieve his pain. Uh, he refused it, however, after tasting what it was. He, he refused it um, uh, instead to, uh, to experience the entire bitter cup of pain for our death. He, he didn't want to, to mask any of the pain. Um, he wanted to take the, the full cup of, of pain for our death. We need to be careful, though, that we don't make these verses, verses 6 and 7, prescriptive in every circumstance. It's not giving us um, the go-ahead to say, well, um, I, I, I'm at a certain economic level. I might as well just drink away my, my uh, sorrow, and, uh, or I'm in pain, and I, maybe I should just uh, drink away my pain. Of course, the whole opiate crisis today is, is one of the things that um, is, a, is, a, is a tragic result of, of when pain comes upon us and... and uh, we uh, take uh, uh, medications uh, beyond what we should. Uh, th these verses aren't prescriptive in every circumstances. They're describing the advice that, that uh, King Lemuel's mother gave to him, and in those days saying that there probably are times where people need uh, those in pain and those who are in anguish. Perhaps they need this in a medicinal way, um, but they're not prescribing necessarily what we should do in all cases here. So Lemuel's mother was really telling him in this uh, advice about being sober-minded, a leader has better things to do than anesthetize himself with alcohol. Um, just a little parenthesis here. Someone has said that in Washington, D.C., there are three parties. There's a Republican Party, there's a Democrat Party, and there's the Cocktail Party. And sometimes one wonders, don't we? <laughs> whether too much time is spent at the cocktail party. She was saying, for, as a leader, don't anesthetize yourself to the needs of the people and then justice by abusing alcohol. Uh, remember Paul's admonition uh, to the New Testament believers in Ephesians 5.18. He said, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Do not be filled with wine to the, point, to the point of drunkenness. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Or another way of saying it is, be filled with the Spirit, not filled with the spirits. 
Um, so as believers, we need to um, at least take that into, into our, our, uh, our lifestyle as believers. Um, and believers have many different views in terms of the use of, of alcohol, but the one thing we know for sure is the abuse of alcohol is wrong because it abuses us and uh, we lose self-control and we don't uh, let the spirit control us in its place. So all of that to say, she says, be sober-minded or we could say be single-minded. Don't, don't be double-minded because you're seeing double because you are abusing alcohol. Be sober-minded. And her third piece of advice, and we're making really good time, but as I've said before, you don't know how long the third point is. Remember, I tell you that every now and then. You know when we're getting to the last point. You just don't know how long the last point is. Well, this one, I can tell you right now, it's actually pretty short. Okay, so you're not going to miss Mother's Day meal. Um, she says, be fair-minded in verses 8 through 9. She says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Two times she said, speak up. Speak up for those who can't speak for themselves, and uh, I, she can mean more here than just those who may not be able to speak because they are mute. She's, I think she's referring to those who cannot speak for themselves or standing in society. No one will listen to them. Um, and uh, so speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of the destitute. Speak up for them and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Be fair-minded. We aren't to judge them unfairly, the poor, the needy, the destitute, those who have no standing in society. We're not to judge them unfairly. Um, let me just, I'm going to go to the book, New Testament book of James just for a moment. Um, James chapter 2, he talks about favoritism. And he says, my brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. So he's setting up a, a, a case here, a case study. How are you going to judge them based upon uh, their, their appearance? He says, if you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here is a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom? He promised those who love him, but you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? So on and so forth. James is saying, be fair-minded. Don't show favoritism. And of, of all of the uh, three pieces of advice, maybe this is one of the toughest ones for, for any of us uh, this morning, uh, to be fair-minded, not to discriminate against those who uh, perhaps aren't uh, uh, as, as uh, um, favored as uh, we think they should be or favored as those we would like to associate with. Be fair-minded. Speak for those who can't speak for themselves. Stand up for them. 
Good advice from a mom to a son, who was a king, by the way. Good advice for all of us. Good advice for parents and grandparents to give to their children and grandchildren uh, in, in this day and age. Be pure-minded. We, we live in an anything-goes generation in, re, in relation to God's design for marriage and, and for gender. Uh, be pure-minded. Um, you know, we as believers, we say we stand for traditional marriage. Um, now, don't, don't cut me off here unless, until you hear me the whole way through. I don't stand for traditional marriage. I stand for God-created marriage not just the traditions of the land, because the traditions of the land now are out the window when it comes to marriage. I stand for God-created biblical marriage. We need to help our children and our grandchildren. We need to be reminded ourselves that we're living in an anything-goes generation, and one of the best pieces of advice we can give them and the best training we can give them is to be pure-minded in the things of God. We need to be reminding them, teaching them, living ourselves as sober-minded people. Um, we're living in a generation of substance abuse of every kind. But I be, believe sober-mindedness goes beyond even that. It, it, it uh, has to do with being sober-minded in the sense that, that we are not overtaken, we are not drunk, as it were, with all sorts of other things in life, whether it's drunk with greed or drunk with jealousy or drunk with gossip or whatever it is. Be sober-minded. And we need to remind them to be fair-minded. Uh, today, it's, it's not new news that we live in a hateful, divisive society. Uh, we experience it all the time. And, and, and uh, we perhaps are tempted with it all of the time. Uh, be fair-minded. That, that is a, a, a very difficult thing sometimes. Good advice for all of us, not just for moms to tell their children. Uh, or grandmothers to tell their grandchildren, or parents to tell them. Lemuel's mother was wise, and I believe that she was the kind of wise mother who uh, gave Lemuel all that he needed, but not all that he wanted. In fact, that's why she needed to tell him in the first piece of advice, be pure-minded. You may want <laughs> um, to have a, a lot of associations with women, but what you need is a woman of valor. She was the kind of mother who gave her son what he needed, but not all that he wanted. So the question, perhaps for those of you who are mothers and grandmothers, are you uh, giving your children and grandchildren all that they want and only some of what they need? Or are you giving those children all that they need and only some of what they want. Are you asking God to give you all that you want and only some of what you need? His will is that he gives you all that you need for life and for godliness. Um, I believe it's 2 Peter 1.3 or 1 Peter 1.3 says he has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. Or are you asking God to give you all that you want or all that you need. He's promised to give us all that we need, not all that we want. So as we thank the Lord for the influence of dedicated mothers and grandmothers who bring honor to God and, and joy to their families, I suggest this morning that maybe you think of, 
of a, a mother you know who is in the process of currently raising her children uh, and asking God to, to give uh, this mother his wisdom and his strength to, to point her children toward him uh, to be pure-minded and sober-minded and fair-minded. And uh, if you are a mother here today seeking to bring up your family in the nurture of the Lord, um, thank him remembering what 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Your labor in the Lord. So mothering isn't easy. Birthing children is not easy. That's why it's called labor. <laughs> and then raising children is not easy. It's labor. But your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for a wise mother who gave her son some wise advice that uh, we can um, hear today. I pray that we will appropriate that in our lives as well. For those who are here this, this morning raising children um, or grandmothering children, we pray that you will just give them the strength, the courage, uh, the perseverance to continue on knowing that the labor in the Lord is not in vain. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.